South Sudan in focus on the voice of America. I'm John Tanz in Washington working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Thursday, July 21st, 2022. A faction within the former rebels of the SPLM-IO have turned their guns on each other in Upper Nile State. There is some government within Kidwang forces. They attack their colleagues. They are brothers in weekend and Sudanese military leaders have ordered telecommunication companies to block unregistered clients. The authorities have no legal rights to intervene in personal affairs of anybody. This is one of the tools used by any authoritarian rule to crack down on every challenging party to their rule. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. A new deadly fighting between the SPLM-IO Kitguang faction over the past three days have left 18 soldiers dead. The Deputy Secretary General for Administration in the Kitguang faction says at least 18 soldiers were killed after forces loyal to General Simon Gatwich attacked supporters of General Johnson Olang in Panikang County in Upper Nile State. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Bor. Major General Sabit Kong, the Deputy Secretary General for Administration within the Kidguang faction, says at least 18 soldiers have been killed over the last three days following clashes between forces loyal to General Simon Gadwich and those loyal to General Johnson Olinch. General Kong says forces loyal to General Dual initiated the fighting by attacking forces allied to General Olinch in Panyikang County. There is some element within Kidguang forces. They attack their colleagues. They are, they are attacking their brothers in weekend Panik, uh, Tunga military base. And they say that they are given order by General Simon Garwijwal. They call themselves Garwijwal Group. Uh, uh, that they belong to Garwijwal. But we are surprised by the, those attacks because uh, our chairman and he, he ordered some of soldiers to to attack to to, to kill all this uh, all this uh, soldiers. But we don't know until now. And we didn't say anything. We is new. Uh, he didn't say any new move. And he didn't say anything. We can understand that that we is 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 detached from Kibwang. Kong says the fighting has continued for three days. Kong says the Kidguang forces fought back in self-defense and will be left with no option but to fight that which group should he continue attacking the SPLM-IO faction. We are here now in Juba for peace. We are here in Juba for peace. Yeah, and we came here for uh, for peace. Uh, we cannot return without agreement from the uh, government of uh, South Sudan or IG. Yeah, we, 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 that, that can affect because we cannot wait until that we can uh, can, can, can finish our study. Yeah, because we are in peace. And why that we didn't want peace? Which means that we, if we, that we attack our forces or our soldier and he called him, tell him he have another group. Okay, we can fight them. We can fight them because we are in peace and that we don't want peace now. Repeated phone calls to Gerald Gadwich for comment when unanswered. His bodyguard said Gadwich was far from his cell phone. 
Recent local media reports quote Gadwich as saying the delays in the implementation of the peace agreement prompted him to recall his advance team from Juba to Khartoum for consultations. On February 1st, a delegation of more than 30 military officers with the SPLM AIO Kidguang faction arrived in Juba to follow up on implementation of the Khartoum peace agreement signed earlier January of this year. The deal between President Salfa Kir, SPLM in government group, and the SPLM AIO Kidguang faction, led by Gadwit, allowed for the integration of Kidguang forces into the National Army, the South Sudan People's Defense Forces. Gerald Gadwich and Gerald O'Lynch, commander of the Aguilic forces, signed two separate agreements with Kir's faction. The agreement also guarantees the implementation of the security arrangements, a permanent ceasefire, grants the Kidguang faction amnesty and reintegration of the breakaway SPLAIO forces into the SSPDF within three months. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiding in Bor. The head of the South Sudan's National Revenue Authority says the institution has collected nearly 7 billion South Sudanese pounds from non-oil revenues during the 2021-2022 fiscal year. The commissioner says the amount collected indicates the tax body will reach the government's projected target of more than 100 billion South Sudanese pounds per year. For VOA News, Viola Elias reports from Juba. The Commissioner General of National Revenue Authority, Patrick Mogoya, says his team is working to ensure that all taxes collected are turned over to the government. Speaking at the opening of two new tax centers in Konyokonyo and Munuki Market on Wednesday, Mogoya said the facilities will help ease the payment of taxes at the market. Mogoya disclosed the Revenue Authority has collected non-revenue of 6.7 billion South Sudanese pounds in the first two months of the 2021 2022 financial year. He says that the amount is a clear sign that the tax body will reach its target for the physical year. This is the first month of the financial year 2022-2023 for which you have allocated the NRA a target of collecting 117 billion and 35 million pounds in gross debt. In order for NRA to reach this target, our collection should not fall below 9.7 billion pounds for each month. The two collection collecting divisions of NRA, that is domestic and customs, are to contribute 62% and 38% of the spending. Mogoya says although the National Revenue Authority has made progress, it is dealing with a certain risk which the commission is trying to mitigate, such as tax collection in the markets, which prompts traders to jack up their prices on commodities. Mogoya notes that the Financial Act of 2021 gives the National Revenue Authority the sole responsibility of collecting the national taxes. National government. The sole authorized agent for collection is NRA. 
the Minister for Finance and Economic Planning, Agak Achilwal, who attended the event, asked tax collectors to do their work, which will help the ministry pay civil servant salaries in arrears. Achuel says the government often forgets to pay civil servant salaries and relinquishes the cash to other governmental projects. The minister alleges some tax collectors do not turn over the money they collected to the government. There are too many malpractices in government, and they don't want to talk about it. Some of them have been mentioned by the government, uh, the mayor. For this taxes, they will be serious about this. Because the more we collect taxes, the national government takes, the state government takes, the city government takes. And then the main market, the security and whatever, all these forces are collecting. Achuel is urging the National Revenue Authority, the Juba City Council and the business sector to organize meetings to harmonize tax collection and reduce double taxation or high taxes on civilians. Tik Tik Mayar, Juba's deputy mayor for physical infrastructure, says the National Revenue Authority does not pay some of its tax collectors, forcing some of them to engage in malpractice. You are not paying the people which you employ to go and collect money to bring them to you. And we put them into our pocket. What will they do? They will also do the same. That is why we are crying that there is corruption. There is corruption. Sometime also, I nullified that there is no corruption. Why? Because people are not showing exactly what is there. So, so I want to tell you that if you want to get the money from the revenue authority, your eye let it be there. And anybody which have done wrong, no forgiveness for the public. Forgiveness only, but when the public money are there to be taken by anybody, there is no forgiveness. Mayar did call on the finance minister and the head of the National Revenue Authority to remain diligent on collecting taxes so South Sudan can move forward on economic development. For VOA News, I am Viola Elias in Juba. Still on business matters. Some business people from South Sudan and Uganda have promised to create job opportunities and boost trade and investment in the two countries during a two-day forum held in South Sudan's capital, Juba. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayer reports from the capital. A two-day business forum held this week at the hotel in Juba brought more than 50 business owners from South Sudan and Uganda to discuss opportunities and challenges of doing business in South Sudan. Stephen Asimwe, executive director for the Uganda Private Sector Foundation, says participants discussed ways to boost trade and how to overcome challenges of doing business between Uganda and South Sudan. What are those things that are hindering doing business between Uganda and South Sudan? We have business to business, government to government, business to government. That discussion is going to take place here. Two, we're here to network. We've come with over 300 business people who are going to connect with each other and have that discussion. Three, we're going to explore new business opportunities but also consolidate the many businesses that we've done in the couple of years we've been together. Four, we're here to showcase. We have a display, a trade fair taking place outside. We're here to show things that we do. In Africa, we say, seeing is believing. You are so-so is with the South Sudan Chamber of Commerce. He says infrastructure development is a top priority for business owners in South Sudan. We as South Sudan and Uganda, we can put our hands together, get a small money, even for us private sector, let's put our hand in our pocket, finish the one border post in Nomuli. Border from Mombasa is a job net for us. We have been struggling. We have issues at the border of Mombasa. Uganda have. 
to the point even the head of the state have gone to Uganda to address the issues of Mombasa. Because that's where everything happened. Uganda's ambassador to South Sudan, Roni Balia, says his country is benefiting from trade between the two countries. Uganda exports South Sudan are in the range of US dollar 350 million to US dollar 400 million. And South Sudan exports to Uganda are in the range of US dollar 80 million to US dollar 100 million. We hope in future we shall have a balance. We shall have an equilibrium. So that it's not only the favor of Uganda. Balia says the 2013 war in South Sudan reduced the amount of income businesses had in the two countries. He says before the war, Uganda's export to South Sudan were nearly $1 billion. South Sudan's Minister for Trade and Industry, Kuala Thian Mawen, says his country has business opportunities. He says income generated from exports remains much lower than Uganda's due to illegal activities by some traders. Because we have so many borders, there is no proper certain uh, funds. The only certain funds we have is the only normally. Kaya and Alpan and Rah. But still, there is too much smuggling in the forest. You go there and get dry fish, the skin of goats, horns of cattle, honey, gum, and, and, and other products. They are being taken there, the timber, hot timber being exported by, by, by smugglers. Elias Mugaga, chairman of the Uganda community in South Sudan, says road conditions and several roadblocks along the way to Juba are some of the problems facing Ugandans trading in South Sudan. Despite the challenges facing Ugandan businesses in South Sudan, Ambassador Balia says his country still has several investment opportunities in the country. A lot from Numuri up to Juba. Really, some uh, some trucks, our trucks, uh, got damaged a lot because of the uh, walls on the road. You find that if the rain comes, even the small car cannot pass. It just deep inside the water because of the bad road. And then, second, I'm requesting the our beloved president. The roadblocks again, there are many because from Nimura up to here. You can create something like eight roadblocks. Those roadblocks, each truck come from there, they collect something. Richard Mukania, a Ugandan businessman dealing in saloon business in South Sudan, says doing business in South Sudan is not easy. Many challenges anyway. The city council even is a problem because it is many taxes. Some of the officers, when you come, you can explain them. Uh, right now, there's no money. You can come tomorrow. Uh, then I, I did that taxes or can pay that receipt. He said, no, 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 no. Let me just close with a force. So which is not okay. Adriko Juma, another Ugandan businessman operating a wholesale business in Juba, says there are multiple taxes in South Sudan. You pay a shop, rent, pay lances for the shop. You pay revenue. You pay services fee. You pay grand rent, you pay even the veranda of the shop you have. But in Uganda, they usually tax lances, that is the trade lances, 
Then you have to pay grand rent and tax added value is only what you pay. The business forum was initiated by Uganda's embassy in South Sudan in conjunction with the ministries of foreign affairs and the private sectors of both countries. There are 800,000 Ugandans operating various businesses in South Sudan. For VOA News, Amanyang David Mayor in Juba. listening to South Sudan in focus on the voice of America. South Sudan's health official says 35% of the country's population know their HIV status. Find out why after the break. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one, two, zero, two, six, three, zero, eight, zero, one, one. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Health officials are calling on South Sudanese to get tested for HIV so they know their status. The head of the HIV AIDS department at the National Health Ministry says 35% of the population in the country are aware of their HIV status. For VOA News, Ding Magot reports from Juba. Dr. Harriet Akelo Pasqual, the Health Ministry's Director for HIV and AIDS and Sexually Transmitted Diseases Department, says the Ministry and the HIV AIDS Commission are implementing a strategy to bring HIV infection rate down to zero by ensuring that 95% of the South Sudanese population know their HIV status. But she says it won't be easy. Out of the estimated 173,000 people estimated to be living with HIV, only 35% of those know their HIV status. And out of those who know their HIV status, only 27% are currently accessing uh, treatment. Uh, And in terms of coverage for viral load testing, only 54% have been uh, tested to estimate their viral load. So South Sudan will still have a long way to go to reach the global uh, targets of the 395s. Dr. Akello says data available shows that far less men than women get tested for HIV and that the youth who are at a sexual active age are also not getting tested. Health ministry officials say they plan to create more awareness on HIV among the population to ensure people do not stigmatize those individuals living with HIV. Akello says the HIV prevalence rate in South Sudan stands 2.1%. Meaning for every 100 people tested for HIV, two of them are found to be positive. She says the highest prevalence of HIV is seen in Western Equatoria State, followed by Lake State. The five states with the lowest HIV prevalence rate are Northern Barkazal, Upper Nile, Western Barkazal, Jonglei and Unity States, according to Dr. Akello. About 173,000 people are estimated to be living with HIV AIDS in the country, of which we have about 14,000 who are children uh, under the age of 14 years of age. So this is the current uh, statistics in terms of uh, access to treatment. Dr. Chol Ayom Dor. 
Deputy Chairperson of South Sudan's HIV AIDS Commission, says knowledge about HIV remains low among South Sudanese. We are not going out and talk about what is HIV and how can we prevent ourselves. You cannot treat something you don't know. The organization, the partners we call, okay, they are not funding awareness. The government is not putting more money to awareness. So how are they going to have that knowledge of HIV? 23-year-old Alice Taban is a law student at the University of Juba. Taban says she gets tested for HIV and encourages other students to do the same. There is a higher rate of ignorance about HIV and AIDS, about HIV and AIDS, especially to students, because I remember last year the university uh, brought some team from uh, uh, World Health Organization to do uh, testing so that students know their health status, if they are positive or negative. But if a student went there and tried to check his or her status, and after the checkup, some of the students will be like, you don't know your status, why are you going there? What are you trying to show us? 30-year-old William Ronyo Odor, another University of Juba student, in his fourth year of environmental studies and natural resources, says he knows about HIV and AIDS but has never gotten tested. But I have been thinking to be tested and I have deci- uh, decided that any time from now I will be, uh, you know, tested. I was been battling with some fear, you know, people, uh, whenever you go to test, you kind of fear what the result will be and I was battling with that but not that I played you know with uh, a lot of sexual activities no but kind of I not knowing the status sometimes is fearsome. The Ministry of Health is urging every South Sudanese to get tested in a government hospital which provides free testing and treatment. A HIV self-test has also been introduced for those who would like to do the same test at home. For VOA News, I am Ding Magot in Juba. From Juba, we move to Jongle State, where authorities in Bor say they have launched a police search to find an assailant who killed a man and his wife and injured others in Pakwao residential area on Wednesday. The Jongle State Information Minister says the mother appears to be a targeted killing resulting from feuds and calls for calm among residents. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Bor. Jongle State Police Commissioner Major General Ilya Costa says gunmen stormed a residential compound of a 30-year-old man identified as Bengo Adriano, who hails from Greater Equatoria, and fatally shot him with his wife Mary in the Pakwao area of Bor yesterday. We received a report uh, from our sources that uh, a non-gunman came and attacked people in their houses. We rushed to the place of the incident and we found that one person is shot to death and then the other one was injured. In the morning we sent another force there. When they searched there they found that also there is another woman, the wife of the, the disease called Bingo. Uh, 
she also was uh, killed. So we took her dead body to the mortuary in the hospital, and we are now on the investigation uh, to arrest those people who commit this crime. Gerald Costa says a survivor of the attack, Isaac Malish, is said to be in coma and fighting for his life at the Wunmis facility in Bowtown. Jonglei Information Minister John Samuel says the man and his wife were involved in an earlier altercation with the assailants. He called on residents to remain calm. The incident that happened is actually a targeted killing for an individual that seemed to have an affair with his wife. So it is not on uh, ethnic basis as many might perceive. So the state is deeply saddened by this news and we call on the people of South Sudan to be united and always have it in mind that things that happen should not be politic- politicized. Samuel expressed his condolences to the families of the deceased. He says the state authorities are searching for the suspects and intend to bring them to book. Salah Agri, chairman of the Greater Iguatora community in Bor, condemned the incident. I was even yesterday at the, at the hospital uh, to send off the corpse of uh, uh, Bingo to Magri, where his brother resides. And then, uh, yeah, the Isaac is still in the hospital. This morning, that is uh, responding to his treatment. Uh, we strongly, as the equatorial community, strongly condemn it. And then uh, we consider it as an isolated incident, uh, which has not happened here in uh, Bor. Nobody said it's targeted, but this is an act of criminality. Agri urges members of his community in Bor to stay calm and allow authorities to carry out their investigation. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Bor. From Jongle, we go to Khartoum, where Sudanese military leaders have instructed telecommunication companies in the country to block unregistered SIM cards. Sudan's military spokesperson says the decision is meant to reduce hate speech on social media. But some Sudanese activists say the move violates privacy and free speech. For VOA News, Michael Atit reports from Khartoum. In its extraordinary meeting on Wednesday, the Sudanese military authority instructed telecommunications companies to immediately suspend services to all SIM cards that are not registered. Military spokesperson Nabil Abdallah says Sudanese leaders also resolved to take legal action against anyone found inciting hate speech on social media and elsewhere. All judicial and security authorities must take the necessary urgent legal measures against Against parties that incite racist strife and engage in sedition, whether through social media or any other channels that affect social peace and public tranquility in the country. The military says hate speech and the negative use of social media escalated recent intercommunal violence in Blue Nile State between the Hausa and the Berti tribes. The violence left more than 100 people dead. Nearly 200 others were injured and thousands of people, mostly women and children, have been displaced. 
Some Khartoum residents and activists have condemned the move, saying it violates people's privacy. Khartoum resident Zainab Muzammil says communication is a personal right and no one has the right to take it away. The authorities have no legal rights to intervene in personal affairs of anybody. This is one of the tools used by any authoritarian rule to crack down on every challenging party to their rule. That is why they are using their authority on telecommunications. Sudanese lawyer and rights defender Samir Sheikh Idris calls the decision illegal, saying it violates citizens' freedom of expression. Idris says telecommunications companies have no right to terminate a contract with a client unless there is a legal basis for doing so. They don't have the right to stop this service, which is between a client and a telecommunications company. These services are provided based on certain conditions, and any interference with the services from the companies might have legal implications. Telecommunications companies in Sudan were not immediately available for comment. Sudanese military authorities have shut down communications and internet services during mass demonstrations in the country. A move which have been described by many human rights activists as a violation of freedom of expression. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit in Khartoum. That's all we prepared for you this Thursday. We now take you to Sudan for a beautiful Sudanese melody by Saif Al-Jama. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us this evening. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.